All right, folks, for the download button on the Technology Geek Podcast. And as always, folks, you can catch all of our old shows at thetechnologygeek.org. And, of course, where all uh, fine podcasts are available. So, folks, wanted to talk to you this week. Uh, a couple people uh, talked about the audio last week being a little little echoey. I finally found the problem with that. Uh, apparently, so when you're using GarageBand, which is what we use to record here, uh, you have to be very careful that you do not um, have the bright voice button hit, and I did. So uh, I'm actually sure to fix that. So hopefully the audio is a little bit better this week. It still sounded good, everybody said, but it was a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, how can I say it, echoey pretty much. Like, you know, sounded like I was talking into a can. <laughs> so uh, I think we should have that uh, resolved uh, this week. But uh, thank you for listening, the few people that... Uh, reached out to me and uh, pointed out, so I appreciate that. So I have a couple couple tech news stories that I uh, want to talk about this week, as I always do, but uh, I want to talk about uh, Windows Windows on ARM uh, for a minute. Uh, so I got a, a demo unit, and I have a write-up coming up for the, for the site here uh, this week or next week, but uh, one of the things is uh, Windows as a new Snapdragon device that's on the... It's on it's on their website right now. It says it's for developers, but anybody, anybody could uh, anybody can really buy one. But I got one of these the other day. It's not expensive. It's a little over about two hundred and some dollars. But I tested Windows on ARM, and I tested Windows ten first on it, and I tested Windows eleven. And I think I know Microsoft has another one coming out this this summer. They're supposed to have another Windows on ARM device coming out, so that they could uh, they want to compete in that ARM space, but. Uh, this particular one is the QC uh, 710. It's like I said, it's made by made by Snapdragon. Like I said, you can find it uh, on Microsoft's website under the developer. It's a it's a developer kit, so if you buy it, you can't return it. Just FYI. But the, what was interesting about this device is I, I messed with it uh, with 10, then messed with it at, with uh, 11, and I, I really the, the the device itself I, I could see the use case for it, but as a daily driver. Uh, I just don't see it. It's only got four gigs of RAM, and I just don't think, just don't think that's enough on on any machine, especially a Windows device. Eight is now they do have an eight gig version of this. I didn't get that one. However, a couple people who left mess comments with to me on the site uh, when I was talking or on my Twitter said to me the eight gig version is it makes a world of difference. So I'm wondering if it could be a RAM issue more than a processor issue, even though the Snapdragon. Snapdragon makes pretty good processes, but I'm just wondering if it's a software thing or not. But it's kind of hard to tell. But uh, the new one is coming out really soon. I would like to get that one to test it. But uh, it was incredibly slow. I upgraded it to 11. I pretty much ran overnight. That took so long to do. I can't believe how slow that was. But um, like I said, I mean, I could see the use cases for these kind of devices. I really could. Um, if you're just running, if you just want to need something to like, if you if you just want, if you need something just for like a remote desktop device, like if you have users that just need remote desktop to remote to terminal servers or Citrix, uh, I could see this being a use case device for that. It's cheap enough that you can just, it's cheaper than a thin net client. I could really see this being used for something like a, like a Windows uh, IoT device or, um, you know, if you're a point of sale system just to run the, the one piece of software. I mean, once you get the, the thing open, it runs fine. It's just, it, it's slow as anything to get to that one device. So that one app. So like I said, I, I could see the use case scenarios for this. I mean, for, like I said, 200 some dollars, a little bit more than $200 with shipping. 
you know, if something would get broken, something gets stolen, it's not a huge loss. Um, it's about the price of a Chromebook, maybe. So, I mean, I could see the this in use place devices, something where it's all web browser based, or like I said, something that's that's just. I mean, I can see use case scenarios for this, but I think I know it's probably a cost cutting measure, but. I still think if they would have went eight gigs of RAM, it might have been a little better because I know people have, who have ordered these, not from Microsoft, but ordered them off of Snapdragon site, and they said they got the eight gig version. The eight gig version was much, much better. So, uh, just something to remember if you're looking at one of these devices is uh, go with the eight gig of RAM model. It really makes a difference. Uh, port. I mean, it was Wi-Fi. It does have an Ethernet port on it. It's only 10 100 Ethernet, which I don't really understand that. They couldn't. I don't know why they couldn't give us an e a gigabit Ethernet port. But um, Wi-Fi five, which is pretty new. Uh, it had. So this is the thing that really upset me a little bit about this device. So it's got one USB-C port, but that's like a that's like a joke because you can't really plug anything into it because you have to. That's what powers it. So, and it's like a little like it's a little desk like a. It looks like the size of a Roku. So. What's really upsetting is you can't use that USB-C port. So uh, you have USB 3.2 is one and USB 2.0 is zero. So you have two USB ports. Now, you're going to have to get a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse, which there is Bluetooth on this device. Because if you plug in a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse, um, I'm sorry, if you plug in a USB keyboard and USB mouse, you have no ports left. So you can either get one of those USB uh, keyboards that have the keyboard and mouse on the same USB device. That would give you one free USB device, or just go with a Bluetooth keyboard and mouse. Um, there is HDMI coming out of it, so that works out pretty well. But you know, I, I just I don't know as a as a I mean, like I said, I, I really see the use case scenarios for this. Um, but you know, I, I think you'd have to really I think with a touch screen, maybe if you like added a touch screen to this, uh, you know, that would solve your port problem. I, I do see the use case scenarios for this. Uh, it, it just it is very very slow. I think if this was something you're just going to keep the browser open all the time, or just keep that one app you need open all the time, it could really, really work. So I I do I did like this thing. Uh, like I said, it does come with a Snapdragon uh, S7180. So it is a it is a pretty decent mobile processor. I think it's I really think the RAM is the the memory is the the issue. Um, it does have them. The one thing I do I did notice. As far as putting apps on it, is it only has 64 gigs of RAM, and, micro, and Windows takes up a large chunk of that. So, uh, if you are going to use this for anything, uh, there is a micro USD card slot. You'd have, you might have to add a micro SD card possibly to it. I, I did notice that, uh, especially when I upgraded to 11. Um, I had I had to make sure I deleted 10 off it because I mean there was literally like a gig or two left. So, I mean 64 gigs is enough, but you do have um, a micro, like I said, a micro USD card that you could. Uh, use for expansion. That's what I was planning on using anyway. So just uh, that's something I did notice as well. So just just be cautious of that. If you are going to use it for apps, make sure you you have a you buy it. when you order it. Order US you know micro US US yeah, a micro SD card. Uh, they're cheap enough. Might as well. And uh, go ahead and try it out. Windows on ARM. Now Microsoft does have another Windows on ARM device coming out real soon. Um, it definitely is. I might be better than this one. We don't know yet. I would imagine it probably is, but, uh, you know, I, I can see windows on ARM being a real thing, uh, real soon, uh, especially with IO windows on IOT and all that. So, uh, like I said, it's the QC 710. Like I said, we do have a demo here. Like I said, it is a developer unit, so you cannot return it if you buy it. So if you are going to buy this, you're going to be stuck with it. And, um, 
I mean, it's not a bad thing to be stuck with. Like I can find, I can find a couple of use cases already for it in my house with my kids and stuff like that. So, but just be cautious. If you do buy it, you cannot uh, return it. So, uh, it's something to know about. One thing that really upset me, that really, uh, like I said, annoyed me with this whole thing is the USB-C device. Um, like I said, if you're only going to put one USB-C device on it, and you're going to have to use that for charging, it's kind of a, uh, I don't know, it's kind of annoying to me. I would like to have seen at least two on here so you can charge, you know, power one. And it's not like the battery, so you have to keep it plugged in. So uh, that would have been nice to see. But one thing I will say, though, um, I'm becoming, I, I really get annoyed with, with USB-C. Those of you that know me and, and, and watch me on my, uh, on anything or read any of my, you know how I feel about USB-C. I, it really upsets me in the fact that um, the other day, I, like I said, I got a laptop from, from somebody that I was doing something for, and it, it ha- I, I didn't ask for the charger, and of course, the thing doesn't charge USB-C, so I had to go ahead and call the person to say, hey, do you have the charger? Um, all my devices, my MacBook Pro, uh, well, I know the new ones have MagSafe on it, which annoys me. I mean, I think that's a step back for Apple, but um, my my, ex- my Dell XPS that I use for gaming, if those of you that watch me on, on Twitch, uh, all these devices are USB-C. I don't buy anything that does not charge USB-C anymore or doesn't power USB-C. I think it's silly. Um, it's one charger for everything. I, I mean, I, I mean, I know the iPhone eventually may go to USB-C. That would be nice as well. But if it doesn't, I've got a million lightning cables laying around here. But um, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I, a lot of people have talked to you about getting System 76 laptops and stuff like that. Uh, I, I I don't I, I'm really as as good as these those laptops are. I hate the fact that I need a separate charger. It just annoys me. Like USB C, I can I, I just don't understand why anybody would have anything besides USB C to charge. Uh, and that goes for Apple too with the MagSafe. Why, why, why that was a step backwards. You already have. I mean, my MacBook Pro that I have, it's a 2016. It's the last version for Intel, and literally any port on the thing I can charge it with. I mean, I just, I don't understand why you need a special charger. I know why Apple does it because they get $4 for, I think it's a MagSafe. Uh, and I don't know if you know that, that's a popular thing. I just found that out the other day. I didn't know about it, but um, apparently if you, anybody that creates a lightning cable or you, or any type of MagSafe cable, they have to pay Apple $4 because Apple has the, the patent on it. And I think that's one of the reasons why Apple's going to fight USB-C because I think they don't, I don't know if they want to give that money up. We'll have to see what happens with that, but yeah. So that's the story with that. But I, I am, I'm, I'm seriously that person that if, if it, why, why do I need a separate charger? Just, just, just make it charge via USB C. And not all USB C is created equal. Um, you know, there are some that do charge, some that don't charge. Uh, I actually have a Lenovo laptop here. Um, I, I don't. I'm sorry, I don't remember the model of it. it it's in my pile over there. But um, I didn't have the charger, and I actually looked up online to see about getting a charger for it. And uh, come to find out, you can actually use the one USB-C port has to charge it. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, so cool to Lenovo for that. I want to say it's a 16 maybe. I know it's, I know it's not the 14 because the 14 I have, I have Pop OS on it because I've been messing with it. But um, it might be the 16 or the 18. But anyway, yeah. Long story short, you, you do need a special charger, which annoys the crap out of me. But if you don't have the charger, you can charge it with USB-C. That's, that Lenovo definitely gets... Uh, that's a high five for me for that one because I thought that was very, very cool. So um, a couple of things, too, I wanted to point out that were in the news. Don't really have stories about them, but they were uh, in the – I read about them in the news. As we all know, cryptocurrency has been, uh, well, you know, crashing. As we've all watched – anybody who's watched the news knows that cryptocurrency is crashing, by the way. <laughs> um, 
But uh, apparently now you can get video cards. Uh, for the longest time, those all of you guys that are gamers and uh, follow me on the blog and Twitch and all that, you would talk. I've been talking for months about almost a year about how you can't get video cards, can't get video cards. Now apparently, uh, you can get video cards now. So <laughs> um, this cryptocurrency now, now that the cryptocurrency crashed, um, there's a glut of. Uh, of uh, video cards that you can actually get. Uh, there's a bunch of um, NVIDIA and GeForce stuff that you can actually get right now. So um, if you need a video card or thinking about upgrading a video card, now is the time to buy, folks. Um, you can find quite a bit of them online right now. Uh, they're just not getting chewed up as much as they as much as they were before with the crypto thing crashing. Uh, I guess people aren't mining as much. So um, go ahead, folks. If you, have, uh, if you really need a uh, video card, now would be the time to buy. Um, also do... Uh, Spotify uh, released something that my wife and I have been messing with around a little bit this week. Is the uh, they have uh, invite friends to playlists where you can invite your friends to a playlist. Uh, it's kind of neat. Uh, it takes the popular songs that that person listened to, takes the popular songs that you listen to, and joins them into a playlist and refreshes it every couple days. Um, so I get to see what my wife's listening to. She gets to see what I've been literally listening to. Um, not sure if you're interested in it or not. If you're a Spotify user, though, it is pretty fun. I really, my wife and I have really enjoyed it. Uh, to kind of see what each other is listening to, to kind of you know see what's new, what the other person is listening to, stuff of like that. So um, that actually is a pretty, something pretty cool. Um, if you're interested in that, Spotify released that, and I saw that over the week. So that was another thing that uh, another news story that I thought was was kind of interesting that I thought I would just share with everybody that we've tried and used. But uh, in in actual news that I have news stories for, um, researchers um, have uncovered that. Uh, the file sharing service, uh, Mega, um, that there is a way to break their encryption. So uh, a lot of us that that like Mega, uh, obviously you may remember Mega was, was founded by Kim.com after the big raid on um, Mega Upload and all that. Um, he started Mega, which is, uh, that it's mostly files, but they also have chat and video sharing and some of that. But apparently there's been a way to, he sold it, uh, but there's been, a, there's actually a way to break the encryption now. So um, if you do store your files on Mega, they may not be as safe as you think they are. So you may want to encrypt them on your machine and then upload them there. Give you kind of a double layer of, uh, of, of safety. Um, in case somebody does break it, uh, they can actually, you know, go ahead and uh, at least it'll be encrypted. So I saw that story today. I actually was a big Mega advocate for a lot of years, uh, especially after he sold it and the whole thing went legit. But apparently they haven't been keeping up with the encryption because... Uh, like I said, a recent paper released said they can actually uh, decrypt the files. Um, I don't want to get too technical. Too, I don't want to get too technical into it because it was really a long paper. I think it was like, a, like a, almost eighteen page paper that people released. But uh, apparently, what they do is there. There's a way of them getting uh, the RSA key and the recovery key, and it, it makes it easy for them to be able to decrypt the files. Um, you, you need to have so many successful logins. It's, there's a little more complicated than that. Uh, but like I said, this isn't the first time Mega's had security issues. I just want to point that out. Uh, I remember a couple of years ago, Mega had issues where people were able, uh, if you use the Mega file sync on Firefox, I don't think it was on Chrome or Firefox, one of them, um, they can actually steal your password. So this isn't the first time that Mega's had, had some issues with security, but uh, this is, I think, a bigger one because now, uh, they can actually decrypt all the files. There's a lot more that goes into it. Like I said, it's like an 18-page paper. You can read about it on the Hacker News. Uh, but just so you know, uh, be very you know cautious of that because um, your files may not be as safe as you thought they are. <laughs> um, so Netflix confirms that there's going to be uh, a couple more tiers coming out 
uh, over the next couple of months. Over the next couple, of, they're saying by the end of quarter four. I, I don't know. I think it's going to be probably before then, personally, um, because they're already testing it in a bunch of markets. But there's going to be they're doing the exact same. They're, they're basically playing catch up here, in the, as far as I'm concerned, because there's basically. Uh, the same thing that, uh, you know, Paramount or Hulu or any of those HBO has. I don't think, I don't think Disney Plus has it, but um, any of those services, like I said, HBO was one of the first ones to start with it. Paramount then jumped on board. Uh, Hulu's had it for, Hulu's had, Hulu's actually an interesting one because they've changed hands so many times. They've had a lot of different platforms over the years, but uh, they actually have the, the you know, the uh, same thing where, you know, all ads, less ads, no ads thing. And the same Netflix is going to do something. Like that. Netflix is kind of, I believe, a little bit behind on this. Um, what I think this is really going to do for Netflix, if nothing else, is people that were sharing passwords might say, "Well, I'll just get the ad-supported one that'll be a little bit cheaper." Um, I think that's what's really going to happen, to be honest with you, because I don't, I don't think there's many. Like I said, I, I don't, you know, I mean, people that want Netflix are going to get Netflix, is what it comes down to. But uh, maybe people that are sharing passwords, if like you know, they can't get into their password anymore after Netflix starts enforcing it, they might say, "Well." Maybe we'll get the the cheap version with a lot of ads on that. So I think this, you know, it, it may help Netflix in the long run, but I don't think it's going to be a massive uh, a massive thing for them. But yes, there is the the cheaper versions coming for those of you that are sharing passwords. You don't have to worry. You will uh, you'll be able to you know be able to get it at a much reasonable rate. And I again, I think Netflix playing catch catch up on this because they've always never had a tier like this. They've always had the regular. So this is. Like I said, a big, in my opinion, they're just they're just doing what everybody else is doing now. Um, I don't think it's revolutionary, but the, they did had say they are rolling out a password system um, after this, and I think that's really nice of them to do that. They could really, well, I think, I mean, not nice of them, but I mean, what they're doing is they're going to make sure, okay, we've got these other options rolled out, we got the bugs fixed out, and you know, fixed. Now we're going to roll out the password issue. So they don't want to upset any customers by saying, okay, well, at least if it hits them, there's an option for them. Um, they did it the other way where they rolled out the password enforcement and then rolled this out. Um, it could really hurt the customer base. So they're, they're being very smart about it, doing it the, the, the way they're doing it now. Uh, kind of roll out the cheaper tiers, get those bugs worked out, get the advertisers lined up, and then we're, they're going to roll out the password enforcement, I think a month or two later. So uh, I think really wide Reese Hastings very being very smart about this uh, as far as how they're doing it. They don't want to alienate any customers. Uh, Fitbit. I wanted to point this out. There was an article uh, on Thorot.com. Fitbit. Paul Thorot. Uh, I actually read his site every day. He's probably one of the best tech journalists out there. He he covers the news. He makes sure he has everything fact checked. He's he's very very good. Uh, and like I said, it's Thorot.com. But uh, he had an article up this week on uh, Fitbit Premium uh, is actually going to be adding sleep profile features to Fitbit. And what this is going to do is, yes, I mean, I mean, there's sleep monitoring on the Google stuff that I've talked about. There's sleep monitoring stuff on, on Apple Watch that I use. Uh, he uses Fitbit. But what this is going to actually do is it's going to take people's data, you know, your age, your, you know, people that have your same sleep hours of that and it's going to compare them to show you where you compare against everybody else and kind of give you a benchmark of saying hey you know you're only sleeping this many hours you're not you're not doing that well other people your age are doing this uh kind of giving you kind of a benchmark and it's going to create the profile for you and it's actually going to actually i mean they're going as far i mean to actually include longitude and latitude uh analysts people in that longitude latitude their sleep patterns i mean really going uh, above and beyond, I don't expect this, especially since Google bought Fitbit. They can, you know, 
I definitely expect them to be able to do this. Uh, you know, it's going to calculate trends. It's going to calculate, uh, like I said, uh, everything into it, your age, your gender, all these kind of metrics that uh, it's going to include, like I said, especially longitude and latitude for people in the air, all, all different kinds of stuff. Um, like I said, it's going to, it's going to analyze. They said the portal Fitbit, they're saying they analyze roughly about 22 billion hours of sleep. They have roughly 22 billion hours of sleep data that they can compare to. So we'll see. Um, like I said, I, like I said, I'm not, like I said, I haven't, I don't have Fitbit personally, but, uh, you know, definitely something to, definitely something to look into. If you are, if you are in need of sleep tracking, I really do think that the, uh, the Google home nest home, if you don't, if you're like me, I don't like to wear anything when I sleep, uh, that I use that by my bed. That's really good. And uh, Fitbit is very good as well. So I'd really recommend those of you having trouble sleeping, um, sleep, night sleep is very important, especially with men, uh, it can lead to heart disease and stuff like that. So, uh, go ahead and, and check that out. I think it's really cool. And, uh, I think Fitbit is one of the better ones. So please uh, check that out if you need. Uh, also, too, uh, interesting news coming out of uh, the Microsoft uh, camp, I guess you could say. Uh, Windows 8.1 are going to start getting end of support notifications uh, next month. Uh, I, I'm not really that worried about this, to be honest with you. I don't. I know myself, I have my own business, and I don't have many customers, if any, with Windows 8.1 or Windows 8. Uh, 7 was a bigger thing for me. Uh, Microsoft, like you said, Windows 8.1 didn't have as many users as they expected. So not, I'm not really that worried about this. I don't. I mean, if you have a computer with 8.1, you should look at upgrading to 10. It's free. But, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not, really, I'm not really that worried about it, to be honest with you. Um, just because I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's sad. I mean, I don't know many people with, with Windows 10, or I'm sorry, Windows 8 that, that, that haven't gone to 10 already. So I think Windows 8 was so bad that so many people upgraded already. Um yeah, I just, I just really think that people are already there. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't, like I said, I've, I've won a rat and I just don't have, um, many people, friends, customers, anyway, that have eight one. I just, I find it really interesting. Um, I think it was like, it's just one of those windows versions that nobody has like millennium ME. Uh, you don't see many people that had it when it was time to upgrade. It was just that one of those windows versions that didn't get a lot of traction. Um, but I will say this, uh, very important, if you are on uh, 8 or 8.1, um, your end of your life cycle is January 10, 2023. So uh, you have a couple of months left, uh, about six months left. So uh, go ahead and uh, if you are upgrade to 10, again, it's free. It's not going to cost you anything. And trust me, it is like 10 times better. It's like night and day. So uh, go ahead and uh, do that as quickly as you can. Trust me, you really appreciate it. Um, also too, uh, a couple, a little bit of more, more news out of, out of Microsoft, but, uh, stuff I think is uh, a little important that I did want to talk about, uh, for my, a couple of friends of mine that listen that are developers, uh, GitHub Copilot, uh, which is that, uh, AI feature that GitHub has. So if you're typing code and, you know, it'll, it's one of the popular languages, C Sharp, Python, any of those, um, and it sees that you're trying to do something and it's having... It actually say to you, "Hey, are you trying to do this?" And we'll actually bring up the code that uh, it thinks you need. Um, I actually have used this, and a couple times I've gotten, I've had issues that I've been stumped on an issue, and this has actually helped quite a bit. Um, and I know it's a very popular feature because on Twitter, when it first released um, in beta to everybody who wanted to try the beta, uh, it was going like gangbusters. It was trending for days on Twitter. Uh, so this is a hugely popular feature, and I expected that Microsoft now is, or GitHub, which is owned by Microsoft, uh, is going to charge ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year. 
I expected that it, when you, when you have a feature that's that popular, um, you know, GitHub is is one of those is one of those great great things that it, it's very well done. It's got a lot of money behind it, and uh, they give away so much for free. Um, but uh, when it's a hot feature like this, they're gonna charge for it. Um, the same thing with the public and the private repositories. They gave away private private repositories for free about a couple of years ago uh, because they noticed not many people had a lot of private repositories. So it, it's one of those things where they look and they say, okay. We're not going to make a lot of money if we keep... We're, we're, we're charging for this. We're not making a lot of money. Let's give it away for free. This, though, uh, had so much positive feedback from it uh, that they actually decided to charge for it. And it is a great feature. I like. I really liked it. Uh, I was in the beta. Uh, helped me out, like I said, a couple times when I was stuck. And I think uh, myself, I, I mean, I'm probably going to pay for it. But if you are a developer and you're debating if it's worth 10 bucks a month, uh, if, you're, if you're struggling or having issues, um, this really is, is a really great thing. Also, too... Uh, they said it actually is in the works that possibly it'll help you find bugs in your code um, when you're troubleshooting. So um, it may be worth it for that if you want to hold. If you're not going to say, well, I'm going to hold off. I, I might be. I would hold off. If if you're thinking about holding off, just keep an eye on the, the Twitter feed for it and because uh, that feature might be something I'd be interested in as well. So uh, just keep an eye out for that. I think at least you are a developer, you are using GitHub. It may be worth $10 a month for you just to help you with your workflow and help you get your work done quicker. Um, and like I said, they are going to be adding features for it. I think they said they've got a couple features already in the pipeline um, that will be coming soon. So keep an eye out uh, for that. And like I said, I really think it is uh, is worth it. Uh, by the way, too, GitHub, um, I was just messing with my phone the other day. GitHub actually does have um, some widgets for the iPhone. I was just messing with it the other day. I mean, obviously, they've had widgets for uh, Android for a while, but uh, with the commits and, and all that, where you can actually have a map of all your commits, I thought that was kind of neat. There's little fun things for your phone, um, but that was pretty cool. Uh, by the way, too, just remember with GitHub as well, if you are using GitHub, um, you're going to be forced to be going two-factor very soon. So if you don't have two-factor turned on, um, make sure to turn it on relatively soon. Um, also, too, by the way, I just want to put out one other thing that I forgot with uh, Copilot. Um, any popular open source projects will be getting Copilot for free still. So if you are an open source contributor and you're on a popular project, if you go, I believe, to, I think it's, I, I don't give you, don't quote me the, the, I thought it was jithop slash dot com slash um, open, I think I wanted to say open source Copilot, but it's not. Uh, something like your copilot.github.open or something like that. Check Google it, you'll find it. Um, if you are part of an, uh, if you are a contributor to a popular open source project, you can get um, GitHub Copilot for free. So uh, just check it out if you're a contributor. You might be able to get it for free, and not to pay for it. So just uh, something for you to check out. Uh, Linus Torvo is a guy that maintains Linux. Uh, another piece of uh, valuable information for a lot of us that use Linux in our day to day lives. Uh, I know myself, I use a System76 laptop to mess with and uh, code and stuff like that. And uh, also use Linux for a lot of customers. I have Linux servers. But uh, this is the interesting part about this. He is saying that uh, Rust uh, will be built into the Linux kernel, uh, possibly on the, the new kernel 5.20. So um, if you're out, if you're like me and it's something you, you're wondering, why hasn't uh, Rust, which is a very, very popular uh, programming language, especially on the Linux platform, stuff like System76, and um, I don't want to say sent, but I don't think I'm right. It may be Debian. Um, but I know, I know definitely System76 um, are all Rust programming uh, shops. So a lot of people are wondering why isn't it built in, especially with uh, so many GUIs and stuff like that uh, being created in Rust. Uh, apparently Linus is saying that Rust will be built in on uh, the, the possibly uh, 5.20. So uh, those of us that have been waiting, wait a little bit longer. 
um, and then uh, you will eventually uh, get it. So that's, uh, like I said, just something to keep it, you know, just something to, uh, you know, keep keep an eye on. Uh, I really, I think that, I, I really think that the new, um, that the new version of, of 5.2 5, 5. has got so much more going into it. Um, I really think they're taking on a lot with this release, and it'd be really cool if Rust was in it. I know they've been working on uh, possibly trying to get uh, Linux on ARM, the uh, the kernel on ARM uh, work on the I'm sorry on the M1. Uh, they've been doing a lot of stuff. They're really taking a lot on with this release. That's why it's taking so long. But I really am curious to see what's going to happen when it gets released. Um, also, too, I'm not a, a huge uh, a fan of Brave. I don't use it that much. I'm more of a Firefox guy. That's just. No reason I don't like Brave. It's just force of habit. Years of, you know, just it's one of those things, years of habit. Um, but Brave actually uh, has said they have 2.5 billion people using Brave Search, um, which is big. Uh, you know, DuckDuckGo said a couple years ago they have few, they have like three, 400 million. Um, while these are big numbers, especially 2.5 billion is a big number. Uh, it's, it's so, so tiny when you look at what Google is and what Bing has, especially Google. Um, it's big, uh, they're, they're, they're targeting a niche market and they're doing a good job with it. Brave and DuckDuckGo are targeting that niche market and they're doing a good job with that niche market. And this is a big number for them for that niche market. But, um, you know, a lot of people, I had a couple people read, read the comments on this post and people are like, oh, well, see, just they're, they're going to eventually take over Google. And I'm like, not even close, not even close. Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But it, it, I mean, Google, I think there's billions a day where they're doing, you know, a billion or two a year. Not to take anything away from them. That's still huge. I would love to have a website that got billions of hits, of, uh, you know, uh, a year. But, um, you know, when you really look at it, it, it is it is a tiny slice of pie compared to what Google has. But again, they are targeting that niche market, and that is working for them in that niche market. They're getting they're they're getting market share. Them and DuckDuckGo, uh, DuckDuckGo obviously having a little bit of bad press recently with that whole thing with, you know, um, you know Bing. Uh, but you know, again, you know, Brave and DuckDuckGo are working. They're pushing towards that specific thing, and. Uh, and they're going to get a chunk of the market because of it. So good for them. And they know their market and stuff like that. So that's really important to understand, too. They know their market. They know the people they're, they're, they're working with. And, you know, they're, they're going to get their little slice of the world because of it. But uh, good for them. Uh, the one thing I do say about I do like Brave. I do like DuckDuckGo. My only thing is, is I really like with Firefox because Firefox is written on its own platform. I've said this many times. If Chromium... Not Chrome, Chromium, the the open source that everybody's built on. If Chromium ever has a security vulnerability, it's going to hit every browser, even the secure ones like DuckDuckGo and all that. Firefox is the only one that's built differently. Um, Internet Explorer used to be built differently. Obviously, Internet Explorer has been defunct now, and Edge is based on Chromium. So um, just something to think about. I We haven't had an issue yet, but it's something I've always wondered, that if that open source, for some reason, should ever get compromised, um, we're going to have a bug in every browser. So um, just something to to think about uh, security-wise. Um, and uh, so, I, like I said, I have uh, had a couple of questions uh, emailed to me. I want to get to the question segment, um, which which I thought was pretty neat. Uh, a couple of good questions. Um, if you want to send your questions, send them to admin at thetechnologygeek.org. That's the site. Uh, that's the email. Uh, again, admin at thetechnologygeek.org. Send your questions, and I really enjoy them. And, 
you know, I, I, I reply back, but then I also answer them on the podcast, especially you don't have to wait a whole week, especially if it's an issue you're having. But um, like I said, thank you very much. And like I said, please send in the questions. Uh, we have a very small audience right now. We're just getting started again uh, after a long layoff. But, um, you know, if you do hear the show and do have a question, please feel free to send it in because uh, I do appreciate it and uh, creates content for the show and also to answer your question. But like I said, I will email you back and then um, answer it on the show as well. So I do appreciate that. Uh, somebody asked, what is the best antivirus to use on a Windows machine? So I tell everybody, go with McAfee, Norton. I like personally, I like Sophos. Uh, I like they have something called Hitman Pro. I personally push everybody to Sophos. I think it's probably the best out there. Um, Hitman Pro is a very good uh, piece of software that uh, very good at removing viruses, spyware, all that kind of stuff. I recommend it to anybody out there. Uh, so I push people to Sophos. Um, I push people to Avast and AVG. Um, like I said, Norton isn't bad. McAfee's not bad. I do see issues with it in uh, once in a while where it doesn't catch everything. But if you stick to, like I said, Sophos, Avast, AVG, Norton, um, like I said, McAfee even, I tell everybody, stay away from Kaspersky because they're a Russian-based company, and I'm not trying to start any political thing, trust me. Or anything like that, but um, uh, it just con- just concerns me, especially with everything going on right now in the world. Um, I would say stay. I tell everybody stay away from Kaspersky. You never know what's going on with that. Um, I, I just I just a little worried with everything going on. Um, the same thing with Panda Antivirus. They're a Chinese company. They have they have gotten issues in the past. They were on that list back uh, earlier. I think last year, or the year before. Well, you're not supposed to do business with. Uh, they got taken off, but then I think they got put back on. They got taken off again. So, um, I recommend stay away from Kaspersky. Stay away from Panda. Uh, try to stick to the American-based companies if you can. Um, like I said, because they have to meet certain standards. Uh, definitely, like I said, I recommend Sophos. I'm big one on that. Ten years ago, I said stay away from Sophos, but they've gotten much, much better under uh, under the current regime. Like I said, Avast is very, very good. I've actually used Avast to quite a few customers. I use Sophos to quite a few customers. AVG is very good. Um, and like I said, if you if you want to use the big two, obviously McAfee is 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 okay. It's not great, and uh, Symantec is very, very well good. So uh, stick with those guys, and you should be pretty safe online. Um, but like I said, I, rec- I recommend everybody stay away from Panda and stay away from Kaspersky right now. Um, there's been a little too many issues going on with everything in the world right now. And, um, there's been too many issues with people getting their hands caught in the cookie jar and I just don't trust them right now. Um, I'd probably pay it safe than sorry, personally. Uh, somebody, uh, some, another question somebody asked me is how can I change my search engine on, on an Apple device? And, and what, what I find interesting about this question is I was actually, uh, I've actually looked into this, and and you cannot. And I don't, a lot of people that uh, might not remember this, but back in the day, the default search engine, if you search in the little search box um, on your iPhone on Spotlight, was Bing. It was for Bing for a couple of years. Then it went to Google, and it stayed Google for all these years. Um, looking into that, I did not actually realize that. Uh, that's actually gets, they actually bid that out. Apple actually bids that out for contract. And I think it's like a couple year contract where you get to be the default search engine. And Google, I think, has stayed number one for quite some time now because they've either the contract's long or they outbid everybody. But um, you can change your, your browser on your device. You can change your default browser on an iPhone. You cannot change your default browser or your default search engine 
on a Apple device. They do not let you. Um, I found that quite interesting. Um, I looked into this deeper, and there's no way to do it. In Spotlight, you have to use Google. You cannot use. You can use DuckDuckGo. Uh, you can open now. You can open your browser. Like if you have DuckDuckGo or or one of the, or Chrome as your default browser, you can go to Google and search and use that through the browser. But you cannot in Spotlight change your default search provider. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. So um, yeah, I, I think that's because I I I don't know if they're ever going to change that because I know Apple makes money on that. Um, but I thought that was a little bit interesting. Also too. Uh, I did notice something. Somebody pointed something out. I was kind of, well, I was in a, one of the. I think what was I? I was in some kind of security um, group over in um, Discord, uh, just talking to a friend, a friend of mine, and we were getting into, got into more like a group chat kind of thing. And somebody had pointed out too is that um, Apple's changing things. You can change your default mail app. You can change your default web browser. But if you notice, they don't let you change your default map app. They don't let you change. They're not going to open up those little Pandora's boxes right now um, and let you make something else your default map app. Because if you notice, you open up a map in anything, it automatically opens default uh, Facebook or any of them. It automatically has to use iPhone Maps, uh, Apple Maps. It does not. You can't change your default map provider. And I don't think that's ever going to change. I don't think Apple wants to open up that little box because they want to get the route and, and data and, and location data for their, whatever they're doing. But uh, yeah, I noticed that too. That's a little one that you can't change either. Um, and I don't think you can do it on Google either. I don't think you can change the default map provider on Google. I don't know. You know, I, I just, little things you notice when you start digging in a little bit deeper as a tech person, it's like, oh, look at that. You can't do that. So um, just just something to, to to keep in the back of your mind, um, you know, when you're messing around with your phone. Uh, there are little things. Uh, you know, Apple gives you certain things, but there are certain things it does not give you. Um and they made it over the. And I'm an Apple fan. I use an iPhone. I use a Mac to record this podcast. But uh, it's just something I wanted to point out to everybody that um, I noticed. And uh, yeah, you might want to just uh, you might just want to uh, just just take notice of that next time you're on your phone. Um, also, too, one of the other last questions somebody got they asked, "What was the best phone or camera for shooting video and photography?" You know, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a big digital camera person. I know my wife, she she always buys Canon or Nikon. Um, I don't know enough about digital cameras to really give you a, a, better, a good enough information on this. Um, I'm honest about that kind of thing. Uh, on the phone, though, I have done some testing. Uh, I will say, without a doubt, uh, phone camera... I'm going to say probably the Pixel. I know people are going to say, what? I'm, I really think it's the Pixel. Um the Pixel or the Samsung give the best photo. I personally like the Pixel. My wife liked the Pixel. The photos were better on the Pixel. The screen is better on the Samsung, but the camera is better on the Pixel. And it's just the way, just the way Google does the hardware. Um, as far as uh, you know, the new iPhone does uh, 4K video. It does 4K uh, audio. It does all that. Um, so. You know, I really think if you're going to either go, if you're going to go, if you're going to go Android, I would say go, definitely go Pixel or possibly Samsung. Uh, on on the Apple side, the new phone, go at least, I think, 12 or better. 
because 12 is the one that started with the the, the different camera, the 4K. And all. I mean, you have people that are recording videos, uh, real good, real good videos on uh, just their iPhone. They're not even using uh, digital cameras anymore. Uh, I know we used a tripod the other day for recording some stuff for uh, our our, uh, our star family get together. Uh, it's not on YouTube or anything, but uh, and I use just a tripod with my iPhone 12. I think it's the 11 or the 12. I think it's the 12 I'm using. And uh, the photos were very, very good. So, like I said, go ahead and um, I, I really think the Pixel does take the better better photos on the Android, but the screen is much better on the Samsung. So it's really up to you. What I would do if I were you, if you can go to a, go to a, go to a phone store. If you can't get the Pixel, get the Samsung. Take photo, take same exact photo, both of them, and look at the, and see what you like better. Um, yeah, that's it. And or you can go iPhone. Uh, what I would do if I were you, I would I would you know take take three, take maybe one with the Pixel, one with the Samsung, one with the iPhone, and just see what you like best. And uh, and that's the, the the phone you pick. If that's the big selling point for you is the the phone the the camera on the phone, then that would I think probably be the best way to go about doing it. Um, that's what I would do. That's what my wife has done many times. We've been in the phone store an hour while she compares photos of different things. So, because um, she's big, the only thing she wants a phone for is camera because she's into photography and all that kind of stuff. So, um, but like I said, I think I'm going to wrap it up this week. Uh, like I said, you can get all of our old shows at thetechnology.org. Uh, I want to thank you all for listening, and we will see you on the next podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs>